KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. You wouldn't think a cheerleader not making a varsity squad in high school would end up being the origin of a case being argued before the Supreme Court. But here we are. It's actually a very fascinating case out of Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, and it involves big-time issues like free speech. We wanted to learn all about this case, Mahanoy Area School District versus BL. So we caught up with Dr. Michael Moreland. He is a professor of law at Villanova University's Charles Widger School of Law. Fascinating conversation. Give a listen. So let's start by kind of setting the table for people that, that aren't familiar Kind of talk a little bit about this case. This is uh, basically deals with a a cheerleader and free speech in a public school district in Schuylkill County. Right. So it involves a young woman who was denied a spot on the varsity cheerleading team, but was on the JV team. And in reaction to this, she posted something to social media with her and a friend holding up their middle fingers and using the F word and saying that she was upset about this fact that she was turned down from the varsity team. And in response to that, the cheerleading coach suspended her from the team for a year, from cheerleading altogether for a year. So she filed a suit against the school district and the district court and the Third Circuit Court of Appeals uh, agreed with her position that this discipline uh, was uh, unconstitutional. And that's the issue that the Supreme Court is now hearing, is now uh, heard the case and will resolve. And reading articles and kind of looking at the tea leaves, it seems like the justices are, the, the arrow seems to be pointing towards ruling in favor of the cheerleader. I believe her name is Brandy Levy. That's right, because she was a minor at the time, but she's BL in the caption of the case. But yeah, uh, so there's a long series of cases going back to 1969 in a case called Tinker versus Des Moines involving the rights of students and free speech in public schools. And so this is the latest of that of that series of cases. And it did seem at oral argument that the concern that a lot of justices had uh, was that if you apply the if, you have, if the school district has the ability to sanction speech to punish speech to discipline students for speech off campus that that would sweep in uh, way too much and that it would be an infringement on students free expression rights of course on the other side of the issue though is the concerns of school districts like the one that is in this case and their view that you want speech that is directed at the school that could be disruptive of the school's educational mission and could be harassing or discriminatory, things like that, that they want to be able to discipline that kind of speech. So those are kind of the issues that are teed up on either side. And once again, reading about this, could we see kind of a narrow ruling where they kind of zero in specifically on this case, but do their best to not kind of open any doors to a bigger blowback? A couple of the justices, especially Justices Breyer and Kavanaugh, kind of made comments along that line that, that this is a kind of case, and student speech cases maybe generally are, are cases where having a, a big theory or a, a framework to try to deal with all these kinds of cases would be very difficult. And there are particular things here that are in play. For one, it's an extracurricular activity. 
Uh, I think uh, some of the justices thought that maybe the suspending her from the team was something of an overreaction, that maybe she should have been given a warning or something like that. And so then in some ways that the discipline was maybe uh, excessive in, in the view of, of some. And so that all that argues in favor of, a, of an opinion that will probably be somewhat uh, narrow in its scope. And we'll continue to see a lot of these cases being litigated in the lower courts when schools try to discipline students for their speech, because it's just frankly hard to cast a one-size-fits-all theory under the First Amendment for uh, addressing these kinds of cases. Some people might hear this or may have glanced at the story in the paper, and their reaction is, why do I care about a, a case of some cheerleader in Pennsylvania? Why is this important? Why is this something that we should be paying attention to? Well, because of the issue, uh, the, the interests on either side. So on the one hand, I think we rightly would be worried, regardless of you know what everyone thinks about suspending someone from the cheerleading squad for a year, uh, be worried that if schools had too broad of an authority to discipline students for off-campus speech that is tangentially related to the school at best, that then uh, you could have all kinds of school interference with students, uh, say, political speech or religious speech or other kinds of off-campus speech by students that clearly we want to be protected from government interference uh, here by the public school. And so that's all the interest on the side uh, of the student uh, in cases like this. On the other hand, though, you have concerns by school districts, uh, like I said earlier, about bullying or cyber intimidation or other things, and wanting to be sure that when students engage in speech, even in in the school district's view, even if it's off campus, but is in some sense directed at the school, that they want to be able to uh, hold students to account for that, and that if they're inhibited by the courts from being able to discipline students in those cases, that there'll be a lot of things that will happen that will interfere with uh, the school's educational mission. So uh, as small potatoes as the issues in this case might seem to be on the facts, uh, the larger concerns about student speech rights versus school's ability to have decorum and to have an atmosphere conducive to education. Those are, those are always uh, big, important questions, I think, in these cases. And how much are these speech questions put on steroids by the idea of social media? And I a lot of times feel like we're dealing with issues, you know, that are at 90 miles an hour and trying to deal with them with legislation and political beliefs that are 35 miles an hour. We, it's just almost impossible to keep up, no? Well, that's the thing that this case points out. I mean, like I said, the, the courts have decided uh, some of these student speech cases since Tinker versus Des Moines in 1969 in various ways, sometimes on the side of the students, sometimes on the side of the school's ability to discipline the students. But social media adds a whole new layer of complication to it. Tinker versus Des Moines, that 1969 case famously said that students don't lose their free speech rights at the schoolhouse gate. Well, now uh, with social media, the schoolhouse gate, in a sense, is everywhere, uh, or at least potentially everywhere. And that's the concern on the part of free speech defenders, is that this means that something that a student posts to social media over the weekend, not in class, um, 
and is about maybe something, uh, uh, again, at best tangentially, perhaps related to school activities, that now that becomes a place where uh, students could be disciplined by, by their schools. There are all kinds of complicating factors, like what if you post something on Saturday, but it's read by someone in the school cafeteria on Monday. So there are ways in, in which social media has complicated these issues tremendously, and that's very much at the center of, of the case that the Supreme Court heard. How much has someone who has worked in this, followed this, studied this? I, I just always find it amazing when a case like this that is something that you would almost gloss over is the vehicle for such big and profound legal ideas and concepts and basic freedoms. It's really kind of fascinating the way it works. Yeah, I think especially uh, there's a lot of justices, I think, were, uh, I wouldn't say bothered so much, but we're we're trying to grapple with the way in which this did seem to be involving extracurricular activity and other things. It did seem to be a kind of very peculiar case to be a vehicle for visiting uh, a lot of these issues. But uh, look, the school districts across the country uh, have been trying to or I should say worried about their inability to hold students to account for speech that particularly in something like the bullying context where they're worried about that. And so although this might not in some ways be an ideal case to press the the perspective of the school districts in these kinds of cases, it's the one that they chose to seek review at the Supreme Court on. And that's the one that the Supreme Court granted. And it really, even if, even if this is, again, an issue that seems kind of small involving an extracurricular activity and so forth, it does raise this important question about off-campus speech, right? And what what does Tinker and the, the cases that followed on it, does that set of rules that the courts have developed about the ability of districts to discipline students in, in this kind of setting, do they, all those rules apply to off-campus speech? The school districts say yes, that it does, and that if it is potentially disruptive, that they should be able to discipline the students. And the students' uh, view on this, the ACLU, which is defending her, they take the view that, no, off-campus, if you're engaging in speech, the school can't reach you. And so that's the, is, is again, somewhat minor as the facts may seem in a case like this. That's the big issue that's been teed up here. And we talk about expecting probably a narrow ruling. Can you kind of gameplay this out? What, if we were to get it, a, a ruling kind of all on one side or the other, can you give me some tangible what that could mean going forward? Well, I, I do think that the concern here the, on the part of the court, which has over the last several years been a very pro-free speech court among both the more conservative and the more liberal members of the court, there's a there's a great level of protection for free speech across the judicial spectrum, at least in, in many contexts. And so I, I do think that the, the big concern here would be that a, a ruling in favor of the district and allowing discipline of students for off-campus speech like this that doesn't rise to the level of, say, bullying or harassment, that anything like that would give school districts uh, far too much power. It would mean that the schoolhouse gate, like I said, is everywhere, and that all kinds of things could be said to be directed at the school or school-related speech that would mean that students engaging in political conversations on a weekend off-campus somehow, that if they say the wrong thing on social media, that the school district could reach in and, and discipline them. 
So that's the kind of long-term, that's the big concern on the part of free speech advocates. But again, the big long-term concern on the part of the school districts, as their lawyers argued uh, at at the uh, oral argument recently, is that, look, they need to be able to have an environment in which students feel safe and protected from things like harassment. And that in an instance like this, where there's these four-letter words directed at uh, at a coach and at a program at the school, that they need to be able to sanction that kind of speech and they need to be able to discipline a student who engages in that in order for the school to be a place where students are you know, treating each other and their teachers and staff respectfully. And when are we expecting a, a decision or an opinion? It sounds like next month, June. Right. The court concludes its term usually at the end of June or very, very beginning of July. Although this has been an unusual year in many ways, of course, because the court has been hearing uh, argument by telephone and so forth. I think every expectation is that they will wrap up the term on the usual schedule, that they will uh, try to issue an opinion in this case uh, sometime this summer. And again, I would suspect it will be uh, somewhat narrow. I don't think that they there's much of an ability here or an interest on the part of the justices to create a big framework for off-campus student speech, but I do think that they'll try to come to a, a conclusion here that's tailored to the facts. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>